Season two, episode four. This is the Off the Dome podcast, Baller Nation. You guys can probably notice a big difference here. Um, my 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 video quality, I hope, looks better because I spent a lot of money on a camera. Um, so yeah, I I hope it, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. I know it's good. I I know it's a lot better than what I used to have at least. Um, yeah, it's like an actual legitimate camera. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much if you're watching this, listening to this, um, whatever. I appreciate y'all a lot. Uh, goal is 10,000 subs on YouTube before the end of the NBA season. It's ambitious, but fuck it. Why not? And 100k on Instagram, too. You're not, not on Instagram, on, uh, on TikTok. Trying to get to at least 1k on Instagram before the season begins, like next week, I think. I'm like 60 away. Yeah. It's all good. The numbers will start going up. Trust. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, yeah, today let let I'm gonna go over the first installment of the power rankings on Ball and Nation. I go through the top ten teams in the NBA. I think pretty much the way I rank it is, it's every single team can beat. Pretty much okay. The way I rank it is who's gonna win in a in a seven game series. All right. So the team I have in the team I rank third, just because they might not have they might not have as good of a record as the team that I've ranked sixth. Okay, if I have a team ranked third, that means that I think they can beat every single team below them in a seven-game series. Kind of like that. Uh, so yeah, let's. That that's that's gonna be that, and then I'll also give y'all my top five or my starting five under the age of twenty-five. I saw a pretty interesting article on NBA.com. Thought I'd give y'all who I think are the it would be the best starting five made up of players that are only under the age of 25 years old that's going to be guys like Luca and Tatum and them guys all right let's 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 go without further ado I also want to talk about the rookie of the year award um whoops uh I also want to talk about the rookie of the year award not because like is that a big deal I just have a few interesting thoughts about it I think it's personally one of the most overrated awards in all of basketball I'll start with that actually I'll start with the rookie of the year award in my opinion the rookie of the year might be the most meaningless award in the NBA, as far as like those main six awards, okay, like Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, Defense Player of the Year, um, MVP, those ones. I think I'm missing one. Six Man of the Year. I don't know. Whatever. Out of out of the main six awards in the NBA, I think that the Rookie of the Year award is literally the most the least is the is the least important. Let's be real, and it's so overrated. Like who the you, Rookies should not care about winning Rookie of the Year. Is it nice to have an accolade? Yeah, sure. It's good to get your career started. You got a nice little accolade. But I'm telling you, the Rookie of the Year, when you look back throughout history, a lot of times, all right, now normally, if you win Rookie of the Year, you're pretty good and you go on to have a really good career. But more than any other award, the Rookie of the Year, the, the, the winner of that award just ends up not being... Not being that good in, in years later, you know. I mean, MVP play, obviously, the MVP goes on, and they're obviously going to be always really good. Most improved players sometimes, but most of the time they're most improved player. You look at the most improved players from years past, guys like Siakam and Victor Oladipo, CJ McCollum, James Harden. They've gone on, and now they're really good players. The Rookie of the Year award, however, I think is the most meaningless award in all of basketball. First off, I think it should be an award. I think we should credit the best rookie, but I'm just saying it's not a big deal. Take 2016, for example, and I'm going to go through some of these years here. Take 2016. CJ, or Malcolm Brogdon wins Rookie of the Year. But when you look at the, the rookies who are, who are rookie while, Mar, while Malcolm Brogdon was a rookie, there's a lot that are a lot better than him. 
For example, Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown, Buddy Heald, uh, Brandon Ingram, Sabonis. Joel Embiid was a rookie that year. He got drafted a few years earlier. Ben Simmons was drafted that year, was a rookie a year later, though. But the winner of the rookie of the year, a lot of times, does not go on to be the best player from that draft class. That's why I think the rookie of the year award is, is it's almost meaningless, honestly. It's not like, it's, not, it's, it's really not a big deal. Ain't nobody cares about who wins rookie of the year. People care about what you do after that. How does your career, how, how does that shit impact your career? 2015, Andrew Wiggins wins it. Joel Embiid was drafted that year, wasn't a rookie until a few years later. But guys like Zach Levine, Nurkic, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Spencer Dinwiddie, Nikola Jokic. Honestly, you look at it today and it's like, shit, Andrew Wiggins, I know a lot of people like him. And for some reason, people don't want to call him a bust yet. But the motherfucker's a bust. He's a dead, like for me, he's a bust. I, 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 I'm harsh on it. I don't, think there's a lo- I don't think there's been a lot of busts. Over the past 10 years. But I think Andrew Wiggins is a bust. I'm Canadian. I I support my Canadian guys. But two of the busts from this past decade have been straight up Canadian. That's obviously Anthony Bennett and uh, Andrew Wiggins. Again, go go a year before that. Um, A big one here. Michael Carter-Williams wins rookie of the year in 2014. Guys like Victor Oladipo, CJ McCollum, Giannis, Rudy Gobert. I can go on. They've all had better careers than him. In 2010, Tyreek Evans wins Rookie of the Year. Guys like Steph Curry were, were, were rookies back then. Blake Griffin was drafted in that draft class as a rookie year later. Drew Holiday, Jeff Teague, James Harden, they've all gone on to be All-Stars. And again, there's many more. Brandon Roy in 2007. Now, of course, there have been injuries, but you again, Rookie of the Year is not a big award. Just because you win Rookie of the Year does not guarantee anything for the future. I think we're going to see that again. John Morant won Rookie of the Year last year in a in five years from now, I don't think we're going to be looking at John Moran as the best player from that draft class. We're going to be looking at Zion Williamson, if we're being honest with ourselves. But guys, and, and again, you, you go back, and it, it was especially true at the beginning of the 2000s. The Rookie of the Year award winner, more uh, a lot of times, just isn't the best player from that draft class five, ten years after they, after they get drafted. Amika Okafor. He won Rookie of the Year. Who, who the fuck? Mike Miller won Rookie of the Year. The best thing Mike Miller ever did, which is pretty sick, is when he hit seven three-pointers in that 2012 NBA Final game uh, for the Miami Heat against the OKC Thunder. Steve Francis and Elton Brand. Elton Brand was pretty nice. Those guys are nice players. But when you look back 20 years from now, it's not like 20 years from when they won it. It's like, all right, who like the casual fan doesn't know who the fuck that is. Brandon Roy. Injuries, I'm taking it, taking it easy on Brandon, Brandon Roy. That's another example. Obviously, Tyreek Evans, Michael Carter-Williams. Andrew Wiggins, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, players like that, they go on, and just because you win Rookie of the Year does not mean that you're going to have a great career. I think we put too much respect on the winner of the Rookie of the Year. I genuinely do. I think it's, an, it's a great accomplishment. It's a great accomplishment. Like, big ups, John Morant, you won Rookie of the Year. That's a big accomplishment, but I'm just saying, you put too much respect on it. Just because you win Rookie of the Year does not mean that you're going to go off and have a great career. Does not mean you're going to be the best player from your draft class. Does not mean you're even going to be a top five or top ten player from your draft class. Same as being the number one overall pick, I think. Or at least, like, a top three overall pick. <laughs> being the number one, number one overall pick we've seen through the years, um, that shit does not always pan out the way it's supposed to pan out. Let's move on now. Uh, speaking of young players, speaking of young players, I'll get into my power rankings a bit later. Speaking of young players, let's go. My top, f- my, my starting five under the age of 25. All right, these are this will be my starting five players. This, this will be my starting five made up of players who are under the uh, under the age of 25. My top, my my starting five under the age of 25. I've gone, for me, I'll, I'll just get this out in the open. I've gone Luka Doncic, uh, Spida, Jason Tatum, 
Bam Adebayo, and Nikola Jokic. All right, so my, for, my, for my top, for my starting five, if I were to pick five players to make up a starting uh, make up a starting lineup, and those five players have to all be under the age of 25, I'm going Luca, Donovan Mitchell, Tatum, Bam Adebayo, and Nikola Jokic. I think the best player at each position that is though, I would swap out Bam because Bam's I guess he's a he's a he's a center more. I I, put, I would play Bam at the power forward, but the best player at each position under the age of 25, Luca at the one. I put. And again, it's tough between Devin Booker and, and Donovan Mitchell. I, I, I lean toward Donovan Mitchell. Again, it's so close. Like, like if, if you think Booker's better than Mitchell, like, I don't care. And again, those two players are so close, it's not like a, it's not like a clear-cut choice. You know, I, I never really understand it where it's like, oh, Booker's obviously better than Mitchell. Mitchell's obviously better than Booker. I've, for me, I've never, I've never seen that. I think they're very, like, they, they're, they're, their their quality is very similar right there. It'd be nice to see what Devin Booker can do in the playoffs. I guess last year in the bubble, though, Devin Booker was playing in eight straight game sevens and won them all, but still didn't make the playoffs because he needed to win every single one of those games. That's pretty cool. <laughs> like, literally, when you think about it, in the bubble, the Phoenix Suns played literally the equivalent of playing in eight straight game sevens and winning eight straight game sevens and still not winning the series because they didn't even make the playoffs in the end. They didn't even make the fucking uh, seeding games in the end. That's tough. That's tough. Um, but yeah, I mean, Devin Booker, we know he's clutch. We know he's clutch, but I, I can't wait to see him in the playoffs. At least Donovan Mitchell, we've seen him in the playoffs. That's the thing. I, I think Mitchell's more proven. And that also just is a that just comes with playing on a better team, honestly. I mean, Booker in Phoenix, not not, not the best teams in the, in the entire world. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, let's go. And, and again, other other players around here. Point guards, Luka, John Morant, Ben Simmons. You put any of those three. I think Luka's a clear-cut choice for, for the best point guard under the under the age of 25. Um, but John Morant's got a good argument. I wouldn't even say good argument, but like he's he's he, he'd be a contender. Him and Ben Simmons are in, in that sort of category. Shooting guards, it's, it's got to be between uh, Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell, in my opinion. Jason Tatum is really the only small forward that I could reasonably put in there. Uh, Zion Williamson as well at power forward. Jokic, Bam, and I also shout out to DeAndre Aiden, who I think when you look at what DeAndre Aiden's been doing in the in the preseason, and again, it's just preseason. Preseason doesn't mean a lot. Anthony Bennett looked good in the preseason. Preseason doesn't mean a lot. But from what I've been seeing, the way that he's been moving and the way that he's, it almost seems like he understands the game a lot more than in years past. DeAndre Aiden, and that obviously that that just comes with age. But he's been playing up against the Lakers. And he's not playing like a shitty team. The Lakers were playing a lot of their starters. Both teams were playing a lot of their starters last night and the night before that. When the when all the starters are in, DeAndre Aiden looks pretty good, and I think he's gonna have a big season. He, he's he's a he's a guy who could go around go out there and win the Most Improved Player of the Year award um, when it's all said and done. In what? Six, seven months from now, whenever the awards come out, DeAndre, look out for him to have a big season. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that guy, for sure. All right, let's move on now to my power rankings. Again, this is not going to be a very long episode. The, the, the episodes are going to get, like, for the podcasts, they're going to get longer um, as we get more stuff to talk about, really. Uh, just right now, it's preseason. If, again, y'all want me to talk about stuff, uh, let me know, and I'll be more than happy to take, to take uh, suggestions or requests. I don't care. I'm down. Let's go through my 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 week one NBA power rankings. I'm gonna be do. I'm gonna try to do this every single Saturday. Go through, give you all my power rankings. Um, again, the way that I rank these teams are, if I if I the team I have in first place can beat every single other team in a seven game series, the team I have in second place could beat every single other team below them in a seven game series. Okay, 
I'm, I'm just ranking it off of how, how I think they would fare out in a seven-game series. Okay, so just because just because just because you're you, you're, the, you're the first place in the Eastern Conference, if I don't think that you guys can win a seven-game series against the fucking third seed in the Eastern Conference, I'm not gonna put you above them. It, these are these are these are power rankings, not standings. Okay, that, that's just for, that's for future reference. I'm probably gonna have to end up repeating that a lot. Um, but yeah, let's go. Let's go. I'll start. I'll start. Let's start with the, let's start with at number one because I think it gets more interesting as we go down the list. You know, if you start at one, we. I think everyone should have the same team at number one. The LA Lakers, the Lakers are head and shoulders. I think above every other team in the NBA right now. Um, the the simple fact is when you have LeBron James, who's the best player in the world. You have Anthony Davis, who's arguably a top five player in the world. If not, he is definitely a top five player in the world. It's tough with Anthony Davis. Where do you rank him? Because at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I just want to make sure Kawhi Leonard is better than Anthony Davis. That 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 should be for me. That's there's no debate about that. Giannis Antetokounmpo. From a talent perspective, I, I take I take Giannis over Anthony Davis. Okay, from a talent from a talent perspective, has he crumbled in the playoffs? Yes, but I'd, this year I still would rather Giannis over Anthony Davis. Kevin Durant, I'll take KD over AD. Stephen Curry, I haven't seen him play in a minute. Probably take Stephen Curry over AD. I wouldn't take James Harden though. But Giannis, but AD's definitely got an argument. He's in that same category. A year ago, I wouldn't have put Anthony Davis in that sort of upper echelon of, of, of NBA players. But after seeing what he can do in the NBA playoffs, I'm more than happy to put him, to put him up there. Um, but yeah, again, I've, I've heard people say he's the third best player in the world. I would kind of disagree with that. I think, I think Kawhi, uh, KD especially, those are locks to be above Anthony Davis, and it's kind of up to your opinion of where you rank guys like Giannis and Steph Curry and even James Harden, who has been playing pretty. He had a really good season last year and played really well in the, in, in the bubble and in the playoffs as well. So yeah, I go Lakers. I go Lakers at the one seed. Uh, I go Lakers number one. Number two, I'm gonna go with the Clippers. They're still a championship caliber team. Any team with Kawhi Leonard is a contender. Just like Kawhi Leonard is one of those guys where if he's on your team, you are a contender. James or guys like uh, Kevin Durant, uh, Giannis, LeBron. If those guys are on your team, you are going to be a contender in your conference. Any team with Kawhi Leonard, especially when you pair that up with Paul George, who I think we're, we're overreacting a lot. He's, he's crumbled in the playoffs now a few years in a row. You can't deny that, but at, but at the end of the day, it's still a very talented roster. It's, it's still an incredibly talented roster. We, they just haven't been making very much noise over the offseason. They did pick up uh, um, Serge Ibaka, but they haven't been made, and Luke Kennard, but they haven't been making a ton of noise. But Kawhi Leonard, still gonna, still, he's still going to be that guy. Three seed, uh, a third in my power rankings. I'm gonna go with the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn, if you remember, th- this th- I, I ranked these guys again in tier two. I, I did kind of like the tier rankings. Uh, I think in my first first episode po- first podcast episode. But the Brooklyn Nets, I've got them third behind the Lakers, behind the Clippers. Brooklyn, I think the main thing for Brooklyn to look out for is can Kevin Durant get back to what he was in Golden State a few years ago? Can Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's chemistry be good enough to a point where they can get along and share the basketball and share the productivity? And can the Brooklyn Nets role players, as, as you call them, guys like Karius LeVert, Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, can they stay, can they stay, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Can, can, can they continue to produce on offense? Can they continue to produce and can they still have a, a big role in the team? And can they still contribute? That's what I'm looking for. 
Can can the role players on Brooklyn continue to contribute while guys like uh, Kyrie and KD continue to ball out? And can Kevin Durant get back to what he was in Golden State? And I think the last thing for, for the Brooklyn Nets to look out for is can Steve Nash handle this basketball team? Can Steve Nash coach these guys through a, pl- through a tough playoff series? That's, I think, the biggest X factor on the Brooklyn Nets, other than Kevin Durant's health. But at this point, after watching a few preseason games, just watching the way he moves around, I think we can agree Kevin Durant, he is not all the way back. I'm not prepared. Like, again, I don't know. He could be, but I'm not prepared to see he's completely the same as what he once was pre-injury, especially on the defensive side of things. But I think the biggest X factor for the Brooklyn Nets right now is can Steve Kerr coach this team, which a team that's full of guys like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, these, these aren't quiet guys. They're, they're, they'll voice their opinions. Can Steve Nash coach this team through a very tough, long playoff series? Can he coach this team through an absolute slugfest with the Milwaukee Bucks in the third round of the playoffs come June or whenever the playoffs are? Can Steve Nash get this team together? Can he do that? He's got a, he's got a, he's got a guy like Mike D'Antoni to be his right-hand man. Mike D'Antoni's been coaching for a long time. He's known for flaming out in the playoffs, though. But can Steve Nash get it done? And I think that was the big thing in Golden State that Steve Kerr just did not get enough credit for, I don't think. Steve Kerr, we, we all thought, yeah, anyone can coach the Golden State Warriors. Anyone can coach him. But the reality, the, the fact of the matter is, when you have that much talent on your team and that much... You know, that, that much personality on your team and those big egos on your team, it takes a good leader to get them through a long series. It takes a good leader. It, Steve Kirk, credit where credit is due, it takes a good leader to get the Golden State Warriors through that long series against the Houston Rockets uh, in the Western Conference Finals in, tw- in 2018. Can Steve Nash be that same leader? Can Steve Nash, against what, when, when, his team, when, his bat, when his team's up against the wall, when the Miami Heat are up 3-2 in the series and got a 10-point lead in, in, in game six in Miami with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, can Steve Nash call that timeout? Can he get his team together? Can he, can he, get, his, can he get the guys together? That's the big thing that I think that that's the biggest X factor. How does Steve Nash, as a head coach, handle his superstars when things aren't going their way? That's my biggest X factor for the, for the Brooklyn Nets. Number four on the power rankings, I've gone with the Milwaukee Bucks. Just I mentioned him, I mentioned him already. Giannis, he's one of those guys. KD, Kawhi, LeBron. If he's on your team, they're a contender. You'll notice my top four teams; those are the players that I keep mentioning: Giannis, KD, Kawhi, and LeBron. Those are the four guys. They are the I think, in my opinion, they are the most they are the four most important players in the NBA. Anthony Davis is up there too. Steph Curry, I don't. I'm not gonna lie. I don't really trust him without Clay Thompson. I just don't. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he proves me wrong. Um, that we're probably gonna play that clip at the end of the year after Steph Curry has gone off and led Golden State to the third round or some shit like that. But I don't trust Stephen Curry as much as I think most a lot of people do. He's gonna put up great stats. That's not like I, he put up 33 points a game. I can see that shit happening. But as far as a, in, a, in a playoff series, I don't think I I, I just don't trust him. I don't trust him. But again, Giannis, Kawhi, Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron, and Kevin Durant are the four most important players in the NBA. Those are the four, what do you call them, the, the four horsemen? If, if you have one of those players in your basketball team, you are immediately a contender in your conference. That's why for my power rankings, I've gone with the Lakers at one, Clippers at two, Nets at three, and the Milwaukee Bucks at four. 
When you have those four guys in your team, you are immediately a significantly significantly better playoff team and a significantly better basketball team. Giannis has crumbled in the playoffs. Kawhi just came off. He didn't play very well in those last two games in the playoffs. But I still trust him. I still trust him. Maybe maybe that's my fault, but I still trust those guys. I, I think they're good enough. They got, they got enough talent. Um, moving on, let's go to number five. I've gone with the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets are a team that they surprise pretty much everybody. Let's be real. They, they, they surprise a lot of people. Like I'd say 90% of the population of the basketball community. They've, they surprised us all when they beat the, the Clippers, when they came back. This team's got heart, and I... For literally right now, at this point in time, I still trust that as far as young, young duos go, I still trust Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic over a young duo like Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis in a long playoff series because we've seen them do it. I think Luka's a better talent than both Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. I think everyone thinks that. that that's, that's common knowledge by now. The biggest X factor is can Kristaps Porzingis stay healthy? But even if he can stay healthy, I think Jamal Murray, he's got the clutch gene. Jamal Murray has the clutch gene, and so does Nikola Jokic. Jokic has hit a lot of big shots. Last year, he had a lot of game winners. And Jamal Murray in the playoffs, he hit a lot of massive shots for the Denver Nuggets. Those two players are clutch. And I know, I know Luka's clutch, Kristaps clutch, but I just don't know if it's, I don't know if it's on that level. I, I honestly don't know if Luka's on that same clutch tier as a guy like Nicole Jokic or Jamal Murray. Um, he could be. He could be. I just, from what I've seen, I haven't seen it yet. He's almost there. I'm not going to, like, he's, he's, like I said, he's a better talent. I'd rather have Luka on my team than Jamal or, or Jokic. But as a duo and as, and as you know, the heart, I don't, like, you, you can kind of, you can get under Luka Doncic's skin. That's, that's almost the scouting report on Luka. That's, I'd say that's almost his one flaw with defense. Is you can get under his skin. The Denver Nuggets, so the, the thing that's holding them back, or really, there's really not a lot holding the Denver Nuggets back, but the one concern I have with them, I guess, is defense. Um, offense is fine. Off, offense is fine, but it's, it's on the defensive side of things. Can, can, can they get it done on defense? The Miami Heat, I've got them at number six. Miami's gotten better. Um, and, it, and I would like to pre- preface this. This, this is with their current roster. Forget where James Harden goes. Because after James Harden gets a trade, if he gets traded to the Miami Heat, to the Philadelphia 76ers, to wherever, this is going to look a little bit differently. But as the roster stands right now, the Miami Heat, I trust him a lot. We saw what they did in the playoffs last year. Jimmy Butler, I think he's gotten better. Um, guys, and, and the, the, Heat were, the Heat were a really young team. Bam and a bio. There's no way he hasn't gotten better. Tyler Hero was a rookie last year. He's gotten better. Uh, uh, Duncan Robinson, his confidence... When, for for three point shooters, for shooters, a lot of times it's your confidence. That's what happened to Danny Green, I think. Danny Green was an, was an absolute sniper back when he played on the San Antonio Spurs last year. His his confidence went out the window. His confidence went out the window. And Duncan Robinson, there was times during the playoffs where he was scared to shoot. It looked like he wouldn't shoot the three ball. But when Duncan Robinson's confidence is there and when he's clicking, he is he is a sniper. He's one of the best top five, top three sniper in the NBA when it comes to three-point shooting. Duncan Robinson's an absolute, he's an absolute sniper. And quickly on Jimmy Butler, too, I think Jimmy Butler, he's only gotten better. He's gotten more experienced. When I say Jimmy Butler's gotten better, a lot of Jimmy Butler's game does not revolve around scoring the basketball. It does not resolve around, like, being an actual talent. When I say Butler's gotten better, I mean, he's gotten more valuable to his team, I think. Because for Jimmy Butler, what he, what he does best, he brings leadership. He brings the intangibles that most players don't have. 
Most players don't have the leadership of Jimmy Butler. Most players, they're not willing to guard LeBron James for an entire NBA Finals game, only sit 48 seconds, and still be going 100 100 miles an hour down the stretch and still be able to, despite your being tired, still be able to hit those tough game-winning shots. Jimmy Butler, he's got the intangibles. He's not going to put up big stats. He's not going to do it, similar to Chris Paul. Chris Paul is still very valuable. Jimmy Jimmy Butler is very valuable to their team. They're not going to give you big stats. They're not going to give you 25, 30 points a game. That's not what they do. What they give you is leadership. They'll put their arm around a young guy and get him through a tough game. They'll put their arm around Jimmy Butler. He'll go up to Duncan Robinson. He'll talk him through a tough game. He'll get him through a tough game six against the Boston Celtics. He'll get him through a tough game five against the LA Lakers in the NBA Finals. That's what they do. And when, when you're a coach, I think, having those guys around you is so important when, you ha- when you're a young team. That's why I think OKC Thunder, they thrived last year. They did better than we all expected because the young players played better than we all expected. And a big part of that is Chris Paul. Chris Paul did so much for the young players. And, of course, Chris Paul absolutely balled out on, on his own. But, but that's the thing that is, is very underrated, I think, in our game is leadership. And you notice that, too. You wonder, why, why are the Lakers pay, pay, paying a guy like Jared Dudley? Why are the Lakers giving Jared Dudley any money? Why did the Lakers sign Marcus Gasol, who's clearly washed? He Marcus Gasol is washed. Why are they signing players like that? It's not. It's not because they want them to go out there and play in in, in a big game. It's not because they want them to go out there and close out a big game. It's for leadership purposes. It's for the locker room. You can you can impact a team by not playing. You can do that. It's for, it's for the tra- it's it's for pra- it's it's at practice when when Jared Dudley you you can bet your bottom dollar that Jared Dudley he is constantly going 100 miles an hour at practice and that's 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 what's making all the young guys better, you know what I mean? That's what he's keeping the energy he's keeping the energy level high. I can promise you that's what these veterans do. And again, I I've obviously never been to a Lakers practice, but that's 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 my speculation. And from what from what I've seen, what I've heard. That's sort of that's that's why players that's why teams sign older veterans who have been through it, um, who know what it takes. Let's move on to the Boston Celtics. I've got them at number seven, and the Celtics. I can see them moving up here. I can see the Celtics in the NBA Finals. Honestly, um, I can see the Bucks, Nets, Celtics, Heat. One of those four teams I think are coming out of the East, I, and I could honestly see it being any. I could see it being any one of them. I'm leaning Brooklyn, um, but I could see Boston in there too. Uh, Boston, I think they've gotten. They didn't add. They didn't do as well in free agency as they could have. They definitely. Oh, they had. They had a chance at Evan Turner, and if they, they if or not Evan Miles Turner, Boston definitely had a chance at Miles Turner. If they got him from Indiana, that would have been, that that would have been a scary sight to see. As good as Daniel Tice is, I mean, he's not the same player as as Miles Turner is. Especially, I mean, on defense, Miles Turner. He's he's such an underrated defender. The amount of blo- he, he I think he led the league in blocks per game last year, a year before that. He's a he's a defensive anchor in the paint right right there. Um, the Boston Celtics, though, despite them not doing as much as they definitely could have in free agency, they've still gotten better simply because of their roster being made up of such young players. Young players just get better year after year. Jason Tatum, as good as he was last year, he's still gonna get better and better for the next four, five, six years. Jalen Brown's definitely gotten better. Marcus Smart's gotten better. This team as a whole, they've gotten better. And I think getting rid of Gordon Hayward is not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It, I mean, obviously, Gordon Hayward's a great basketball player. Um, he's not good to the worth, to, to the value of fucking, what, $125 million over four years. He's not that good, or whatever his contract was. 
um, but he's still a good basketball player. But I think that I think that Campbell Walker is going to be playing a big role for the, for the Celtics. Similar to what Chris Paul did a few years or last year at OKC, Campbell Walker is going to be that guy. He's going to give up scoring. Um, and I, again, I praise Campbell Walker so much on this show because he does not get enough respect and credit for what for the sacrifices that he makes to the Boston Celtics. You know, Campbell Walker. We we know that Campbell Walker, like Trey Young, Kemba can put up thirty a night. We've seen him do it. I think he put up, what is it, 25, 26 a night in Charlotte the year before he went to Boston. But we've seen Kemba Walker. We know he can score the basketball. We know he can get his. But for him to go to Boston and then take a back seat to Jason Tatum, to take a back seat to Tatum, say, hey, Tatum, this is your basketball team. I'm just here for your support. But And the thing is, Kemba's still going to give you 20 a night. He's still going to give you 21, 22 points a game. He's still going to be an efficient scorer. He's still going to get you big points. He's still, he's, he's still an absolute bucket. And he's leading this young team, I think. Um, and he's, I, think he's, I think he's a good voice in the locker room. I'm not 100% sure on that. But those are my thoughts on the Boston Celtics. Moving on to the number eight for, for the eighth ranking. I'm going with the Dallas Mavericks, led by Luka Doncic, who I think, I think will win the MVP. The main thing that's holding him back, I think, is, is uh, can his team get into the top three in the Western Conference as far as the standings go? Because very rarely does the MVP win or come from a team, come from a team that isn't top three in their conference. I think Dallas, they, they probably could get there. I think they could be a top three seed in the West, definitely top five, top four or five, um, which will probably be good enough for Luka Doncic. Dallas, though, I think the the, the big thing for them is can Kristaps Porzingis stay healthy in the playoffs? And can, of course, Luka Doncic, can he stay healthy? He's, he's had a little bit of injuries. Um, and can their defense get better? The Dallas Mavericks, their defense, is, is, it was shit. It's is shit. For, for a playoff, that's a big reason why I, don't, why I don't think they could beat the Clippers. In the Clippers, the, the Clippers series in the first round, I think L.A. put up like 158 points in them in one game. Like, for the playoffs, you, that, that is garbage. You can't do that. You, you cannot give up that many points in, in, a, in a big playoff game. The thing with the NBA is that despite the score, the average points of the game going up and up and up over the past few years, over the past decade, really, it's like... The amount of points that are being scored in each game, especially in the regular season, continues to go higher and higher. Ten years ago, teams were not averaging over 100 points a game. That was not a thing. Now, if you're not averaging over 105 points a game, your offense is in the fucking bin. It's trash. It's trash. But the, 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 the same thing wins playoff series. The same thing. This, the, the same thing that's always worked in, playoff, in, in the playoffs continues to work in 2020. Scoring continues to get more and more. Teams continue to score more and more points. And, you know, look, throughout the regular season, teams are putting up 130, 140, 150 points. Throughout the first four or five games of a playoff series, teams are putting up 140 points. You see those types of games. Teams are still putting up 110, 120 points in big playoff games, in big playoff series. But the thing is, despite scoring continuing to rise throughout the NBA, when it comes down to it in those big games, I'm talking about the big game sixes, the big game sevens, especially game sevens. Very, very rarely will the team get over 100 points. I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of a, team, of, a, of a game seven in recent history where both teams got over 100 points. And there definitely have been, but I, like all the, all, the, all the notable game sevens, you think of the Toronto-Philadelphia game seven. Those they didn't get over 100 points. 2016 uh, game seven of the NBA Finals not over 100 points. I think game seven of 2018 the Warriors got over 100 points against the Houston Rockets. But look, go look, go look at, at, at game sevens from years past. 
despite the scoring, this, despite scoring skyrocketing over the past decade, the, the amount of points that are scored in Game 7s continues to be less than 100 for both teams. Defense still wins you championships. Look at the Lakers. At the end of the day, the Lakers, as good as they were on offense, I think the biggest thing for them against the Miami Heat was their defense was amazing. They, 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 they went big against Denver. They went big against Houston. They didn't even need to go big against Houston, but against Denver, they went big. And against the Miami Heat, they went big. They got guys like Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis. They clogged the lane, and the defense stepped up. Defense still wins championships, in a, in, in, still, which is nice to see, despite the scoring continuing to rise and rise and rise. I've put Dallas at number eight. At number nine, I'm going with the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix is tough. <clears throat> number nine and ten, I've gone with Phoenix and Portland. It's tough. I can see Golden State in there. Um, I think Portland, they're a nice team. I think they've improved a lot from last year. I'm excited to see what Damian Lillard can do. Whenever you have you, whenever you have a fully healthy Portland Trailblazers, they've been pretty good in the regular season. They've been a three seed. Um, I think three of the past four years. Not 100% sure on that. But with a healthy Portland Trailblazers, a healthy CJ, healthy Dame, healthy Nurkic, um, they added Robert Covington. Sam, or their head coach as well, Scott, I think his name is. Very good, very good head coach. This, this is a good team. This is a very good team. I can see him winning a first-round series. It, it's going to be tough, but I, I can see him winning a first-round series. Phoenix have gotten ninth. Not a lot to talk about for, for the Phoenix Suns. I think if Chris Paul can give the Suns 80% of what he gave the OKC dinner last year, and if Devin Booker can continue to ball out the way he did, I wouldn't even say in the bubble because that's a lot to ask for him, um, but I'd say... If he can ball out to the to the tune of ninety percent what he what he did in the bubble, the Suns are in a really good situation to not only make the playoffs, um, but even potentially win a playoff series. That that's my top ten. That's my preseason week one NBA power rankings. Every Saturday I'm gonna do these. Uh, quickly recap my top ten. At number ten I go on the Portland Trailblazers. At nine I go on with the Phoenix Suns. At eight the Dallas Mavericks. At seven the Boston Celtics. At six the Miami Heat. At five the Denver Nuggets. At four the Milwaukee Bucks. At three the Brooklyn Nets. At two the LA Clippers. At one the LA Lakers. Those are my preseason. Those are my preseason power rankings based solely on uh, based solely on who can beat who in a seven game series. Um, so I've got so for example I've got the I've got the Nuggets at number five. I think the Nuggets could beat the number eight seed, the number eight team I've got here, the Dallas Mavericks, in a seven-game series. But I don't think they could beat the four teams ahead of them. That is my week one power rankings, ladies and gentlemen. And that should do it for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching this, if you're listening to this, um, whatever it may be, I, I again, I genuinely appreciate it. Honestly, I, it means the world. I love doing this. Honestly, I'm going to continue to do these. And yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Subscribe, whatever you want to do. I don't really care. Actually, I do. It'd be sick if you do. Um, Subscribe, but whatever. Mike Dean, Kanye. Take him to church one time. Let me get more volume. 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 Louder. And my voice. Roll some.